Welcome to 353rd, a podcast where we discuss the impact of the internet on business. Today is Wednesday, June 27th. This is episode number 39, and I am Anders Brownworth. I am Scott Barstow. Today on the show, we want to discuss the impact, particularly, that the maker movement is having on industries that we think have the potential to be disrupted. Very interesting. So the maker movement, what are we talking about here? So the maker movement is about a group of people that are interested in taking um, ideas and bringing them to life on their own. So instead of buying a speaker for your stereo, you make one. Instead of uh, buying a an automated pet feeder, you make one yourself. Right. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Have, so have you, have you uh, gotten into this? Is this? Uh, I I, this I would say I've dabbled. dabbled I, haven't gone, yeah. I haven't I haven't gone f- uh, whole hog. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of my the extent of my maker stuff is I do a fair amount of kind of rough carpentry work. Yeah. So um, I, like for instance, I'm rebuilding the deck to my house right now, and I think that would classify as you know kind of maker activity because mm-hmm. i'm not paying i'm not paying somebody to do it which is what most people would do that's like, but, I, I would say that's like diy figure to me yeah. it feels like maybe maker has something the maker movement has <clears throat> something more to do with a technological component i know not all stuff does but there's the maker fair and and these sure. uh, diy spaces and they they pander toward you know the the origin the origins i suppose are machining and cnc but but really it's this you know the arduino movement and and things having to do with technology that seem to have spurred it on to become something big in at least like the last you know 5 years it's this has totally changed yeah absolutely i think what what the light bulb went on for me about this whole thing when we were at south by southwest a year or and some number of months ago. Yeah. And we sat in on the Bug Labs presentation. Bug Labs, yeah. Absolutely. And these, these guys are doing amazing things. I highly recommend you check them out for our listeners to check them out online. That's buglabs.net. What they've essentially built is Legos for assembling new electronics. It's really just amazing stuff. So, so you these can, are, these are not Legos. These are just, yeah, yeah. yeah but it's, these that's are the pluggable electronics. Yeah. Right. Pluggable electronics. So I can, I can, they've got this base unit that kind of powers everything. And then you can put on top of it, uh, you know, a gyroscope, GPS, uh, a camera, yeah. you know, who knows what, a temperature, yeah, Wi-Fi, system, sure. any kind of, any kind of additional hardware. And then they've got a, a really easy to use interface that you can develop applications on top of it. Right. And so we were we were sitting there watching it, and the price tag for the Bug Labs hardware goes anywhere from five hundred bucks up to a thousand to do just about to get the entire just about everything they make is a, is a thousand bucks or thereabouts. Yeah, so that's a killer right there. Maybe it is, but but if you think about what it would have taken to do that four or five years ago, it would have been you know yeah. just been ten x that at least. Yeah, and I think the what's what made the light bulb come on for me is is that you know people were going to start making things that used to that you would only buy because the hardware was too it was too expensive to make it was too expensive to prototype. And what's changed with 3D printing and things like Arduino 
and just the ability to make things and machine things on your own is that I think what you're what we're going to see and what we want to talk about on this show are uh, are areas where there's been domination by traditional business models where it's you either pay a lot up front or you're paying a lot every month. I think those there's there's the opportunity to take some of those industries and turn them into maker industries where you're potentially delivering some really inexpensive hardware and providing maybe a minimal monthly service that glues things together. So the example I think that was given was the here's how you plug these pieces together to make the I've fallen and I can't get up type of solution, which which obviously implies some sort of a server-side component. So one of the interesting things about the Bug Labs uh, devices is that their API is essentially well-known and queryable via HTTP. That's so, right. So, yeah, you could just snap a, one of the accelerometer sensor kind of things onto a, a device and then wear that. And then whenever the device goes, experiences a certain amount of shock or more, it would phone home and do X, Y, or Z, whatever you, you deemed it to do. So it might text me if my mom fell over or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they focused a lot of their presentation on the healthcare space because obviously there's a lot of money to be spent and it's generally spent inefficiently. Uh, that's where the internet is hasn't really had much of an impact yet, I would say. Yeah, it's I think, so out of balance. I think it's coming. It's coming yeah. with the ability to do your own DNA, you know, for under a thousand bucks to sequence your own DNA and all this stuff that's happening. I think it's coming. And yeah. I think, but uh, we don't want to get derailed into the healthcare discussion, although we should think about that for, for a we few. We should. We should. That's ripe for di- uh, disruption. One of the things that I thought would be interesting is just a use case to explore how this might work is I've, I've for a long time, as the, uh, for any listeners that know where I live, I live, in, I live in Raleigh and my house has a basement. Raleigh, North Carolina. One of the few in Raleigh, it's very hard to get basement because the ground is so hard here. That, yeah. At my house is built into a hill, so I have a full basement, which is extremely rare, and that's yeah. where I work. And, and so I've got, I don't know how many thousands of dollars worth of equipment in my basement. And one of the things that I've always been concerned about is somebody getting in to my basement, either while I'm here or while I'm not, and making off with whatever. Sure, yeah. Whatever things that I have here, and so one of the th- and so you know I've looked into home security. And it's just insanely expensive for what you get. You yeah. got you you know when the sales guy shows up that you're just getting fleeced. <laughs> yeah, that's because not it costs good. them. You know, it costs them. The hardware costs them next to nothing. They're charging you a fortune for it, and then they're laying on top of that a hundred bucks a month in service fees or something like that. That's unbelievable. And, and, you know, they always hook you on the ads or whatever with, you know, it's $20 a month. But, of course, $20 a month gets you almost nothing. Yeah. It gets you, like, two, two window sensors and a door sensor. Why is that per month? That doesn't make any sense. Well, I think the, the, you pay because they, it's the monitoring fee that you pay for per month. So Not, what do they do? They call the cops? I mean... Yeah, so they're hooked into, you know, they'll call 911 for you and stuff like that. Yeah, but why wouldn't you want that to just, you know, show up on your iPhone or whatever? And, right. and then you, you take whatever necessary actions there are. Only, obviously, the reason you might want that is if you can't do that. So yeah. if it breaks into your house and you're standing there, then, you know, it's you and them and probably one of you is not walking out. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that's uh, that's the reason why you would want that. But I think you do live in North Carolina, right? It's a it's heavily it's a heavy crime area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it makes sense. So so I mean, the, the here's the thing that gets me about this: you've got all these companies that are selling, uh, you know, an eight hundred dollar device or whatever, a camera, right? Which should be I don't know a hundred bucks. Come yeah, that's on. for a really good one. Yeah, right. And so, so you can get a Wi-Fi connected camera uh, for your home to point at whatever, you know, see who's at the front door kind of thing. And v, you have a network, you got a Wi-Fi network there. Everything is uniquely addressable. There is no practical limit on the number of devices you can have in your house. What gives? I mean, I don't know. Here's, a, here's another thing that really surprised me. Here's another business that I think is, could be interesting to explore is when we got a dog a couple of months ago. Yeah. Gosh, I don't know how long ago it's been. But when we got the dog, the she had a propensity to take off if you put her outside. And and so It's exactly what I would do if I were a dog. So I can understand it. <laughs> That's right. So we had the idea that we would get one of these electro- electric fences. Yeah, my my sister has one. Yeah, and we would just fence. So my house has uh, it's got fence. It's got some form of fence on three sides in the backyard. And so my thought was, oh, well, I'll just fence from the side of my house on either side over to the existing fences with this electric fence. I won't have to put up a new physical fence. The kids can still run around the house without any sort of impediment. And, you know, we'll, we'll put this, you know, doggy fence in and she won't be able to get into the front yard. Yeah. And, so I went digging around, and there's really two companies that do that. It's Invisible Fence and one other one. I don't remember who it was. Yeah. But both of them were – it was going to cost me uh, – so I, I'm, I'm talking about fencing roughly 40 linear feet, maybe. Yeah. So we get these estimates back, and the companies are wanting to charge us over 1000 bucks to put <laughs> this doggy fence it, I couldn't under, and it was only like two hundred dollars more if I wanted to fence the entire yard. So yeah. I could run fence all the way through the front yard, and had her, you know, she could have gotten up into the front yard and, but not out to the sidewalk. So I could have fenced the entire yard for two hundred dollars more than I fenced this forty feet. Yeah, like what gives? And it turns out they have this unit that does all of the special things, which really just involves putting a current. And through the through a wire in the ground, yeah, and uh, you know, and then so that unit was something like eight hundred dollars. Jeez, yeah, sure. Matter if I was doing five feet of fence or five hundred feet of fence, yeah, that was a sunk cost. That was the same. It wouldn't didn't matter what I did. Yeah. So it seems like things like this, where companies have been getting away with uh, just raping the public with services and astronomical hardware costs. To me, this feels like a great inflection point for the whole maker movement and people doing things themselves to start breaking down the barriers of these kinds of products. Yeah. So, I, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It is ripe for disruption. And it seems to me that the makers in the world are outpacing businesses and maybe – Maybe looking back in the day about various trades, people like like people that knew how to do carpentry, in a sense, you know, if they built their own coffee table or whatever it was, 
in a sense, they were ahead of the market or whatever. But sure. in this case, I think people are ahead of the market because there aren't enough skilled uh, technologists to build these kinds of things. I, I look at everything out there pretty much with the exception of mobile phones, which are fairly sophisticated computers, whatever, and uh, iPods and the Nest thermostat. Pretty mm -hmm. much every other area, home security you're talking about, the dog fence thing, the in-car entertainment system, you name it. They are so, like, I just, I, I got a rant. I'm sorry. This morning, well, in the over the past few days, we've just been constantly setting and setting and setting the temperature in uh, our apartment here because it keeps switching up to 85 degrees. Mm -hmm. You know, you'd set it at 72 something, it keeps switching up to 85. It's because the stupid thing is on a program. And so I go over there and try to reprogram the thing. I could not figure it out. I'm holding keys down, combinations, the whole thing. Couldn't figure it out. Had to go online and find the manual to this, you know, strange device and find out that I actually had to hold these keys down in this sequence for six seconds. And then I finally get to something that, you know, says like, you know, T7 or whatever. I'm supposed to know yeah. what that means. Totally incomprehensible. These yeah. things are ripe for disruption. The yeah, what's the reason for that? Why doesn't that, that's just, it should just, I should be able to use a thermostat as easily as I use yeah, my iPhone. You should, but here's the, here's the problem. The people making the design decisions, A, they started out and they said, okay, the thermostat looks like this. It right. has a tiny little screen and two buttons. That yep. was where they started. And then they said, adding more buttons adds more cost. And they didn't yep. think, you know, okay, all right, you, you don't need more buttons. I'm not arguing for more buttons. I'm arguing for a better interface. But yes. they were they were so focused on, okay, this type of a, a, a thermostat actually, you know, the display is bigger or, or whatever. And, and then you're supposed to pay another 20 bucks or 50 bucks for the device. And, and that was it. They totally missed the boat. And then yeah. I got this last uh, thermostat, last house I had, had a talking thermostat. That was the thing. Right. It was no easier to use. It was horrible. It was the yeah. same problem. Yep. So, so they, the problem is these are essentially engineers focused on marginally moving forward and incrementally, I can't even call it better, uh, a, a yeah. different, I'll just call it a different interface still constrained by the idiot thinking of an engineer and, and yeah. you know you look but at then you, but then you look at the nest which is brilliant oh my word yeah it's so far and away it's just actually the right thing what we should have done a million years ago and it's very similar to the iphone in fact the nest was created by a guy that you know one of the original developers of the iphone that came up with the whole iphone idea so there's no surprise there but at the end of the day, this same exact thing needs to happen on the coffee maker, on the oven, on the microwave, on the car, in the, you know, every, every possible interface thing that you're like, well, I can't figure it out because it's so uh, boneheaded. I have a VFD, like a vacuum fluorescent thing on my microwave. Vacuum fluorescent. Are you kidding me? Really? Right. And right. it's an eight, you know, there you have like four eights, four little seven uh, seven uh, element leads or whatever the thing is. Yep. And yep. that's it. That's it. Yeah. Like, 
I would, I can't believe it. I cannot believe how, how backward the whole thing is. Um, and, and how much does it really cost for oh. a company to put in a touch, you know, a touch display on that microwave? I would pay, I would pay probably 10x the price of whatever it costs just because I can now very easily do anything I want to do. I mean, it's such a no-brainer in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, and what, you know, they, what they've done instead is that they put 800 buttons down on the little touchpad. Right. So they give you a fast cook minute, fast cook two minutes, uh, fast cook 30 seconds. I, instead of just that's, being, giving you a button that allows you to just kind of dial the thing up and down and say go. Totally. And the, I mean, the, you could get rid of eight, you know, you could get rid of 60% of the buttons on a microwave right. by just giving me a decent UI. Yes. The whole the whole idea is not another button to make the thing simpler. The whole that's idea right. is make the thing simpler and then it calls for however many buttons it calls for and that's how many buttons you put on the thing. Yeah. Like so I'm, I think I think these kinds of things are where makers are going to hack their way in. Yeah. And start controlling the microwave or the oven and you know, day-to-day appliances or just building their own, yeah. right? And start figuring out a better way. A good, in, good for instance, I think is the Pebble project on Kickstarter. Yeah, the which Pebble is watch. you know, yeah, the Pebble Watch, which was just a, um, I mean, by any measure, just a magnificent success on on Kickstarter. I actually ordered one myself, and so it's just this LED watch that was built on the Arduino. Uh, Arduino is an open source hardware platform. Yeah, and. Uh, just a brilliant project, brilliantly simple. The watch is programmable. Uh, they're going to expose an API for people that want to actually write their own applications for the watch. And but it's just a very, very simple watch. So, so that's I think the key. You you've got to as soon as you can. I don't know. Let's call it componentize the human interface. Uh, elements like the the watch or the touch screen. Imagine if there was a generalized touch screen out there that you could just replace the microwave oven thing or or uh, I don't uh, any any thing in your home like yeah, uh, just, security I, system. I mean, just, if they start making them standards based, right. like like pipes are yeah. like. Anything like the electrical sockets are, those are all, those standards have been established. Yeah. And so every piece fits with every other piece. Yeah. So that's really what's required. The question is, would anybody ever adopt something like that? Well, is there any, is there any energy to do this? Because look at all the, I, I'm wondering why this hasn't happened yet. I mean, we, right. st- we do have, what's new here, I think, is uh, a, a burgeoning class of people who really understand technology, 3D printing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know, free time, like, you know, people just kind of cranking in their garage or whatever on these, dev- on these devices to show what might happen. You bring up Arduino. It's a great point. There's, uh, uh, leaf labs, which is right down the street run, run by a friend of mine. Uh, these guys have sort of made the next, uh, step past Arduino. Arduino is technically a very limited yet yet capable uh but very limited platform because it it, you you'll quickly run out of processing power if you try to do anything other than you know is is the 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 door open or shut uh, very very simple kinds of things uh although i I will i'll have to throw in that the arduino can actually uh be a uav brain and fly a uh airplane around uh, totally automated so it is capable 
But if you need more capability, there are boards that are, you know, 50 bucks, real cheap, that can do this kind of thing and also talk on the internet natively and stuff like that. So there are, there's a, there's a plethora of options. I, I guess on the higher end of that would be the Gumsticks Overo series, which is uh, essentially a 700 megahertz Linux machine. This has been around for years. Uh, they're fantastic. I've got three of them. They're great. Uh, you can, and they're microscopic. They're literally the size of a uh, piece of gum, just tiny, mm. yeah. beautiful devices. So you see all these things that are kind of coming out and then you couple that with the ability to print something in 3d and i don't care how expensive it is it's really just a question of getting it in people's hands it's a question of having it or not having it really at this time yeah and then you you drop in some standardized interface elements and then why couldn't you a get rid of your security system i see no reason for a monthly uh fee that's I mean, crazy. Yeah, just have it come to my iPhone. I mean, I know how to write an iPhone app. Just, you know, give me a way to get the get the info to begin with. I'll host it somewhere on the net. Matter of fact, there's an interesting business there running a company that that runs the hosting for this, so I don't need to set up Linux machines to do that. That's right. Right, but that's always available. And then uh and then let me do whatever I want on I'll even write an HTML5 app on my uh Android device or whatever. It doesn't have to be native, it doesn't have to be complicated. These no, things it doesn't. Yeah, these things will be really super simple. Um, yeah, I think I think there's an opportunity, you know, we like to bring things back around. So what's the business what's the business implications? I yeah. think the for me, there's an opportunity to potentially, and this may this work may already be happening, but for things like home security, why not define a data standard? Yeah, that you know, here's the data interchange format, or not necessarily format, but just here's the standards, here's the kinds of data we're we're going to send back and forth. Define an encryption standard, and allow people to write these apps, publish to a service that's always going to be up, but as an application developer or even better for a hardware developer, I don't have to worry about that. I just yeah. have to know where to point it and what kind of keys I need to encrypt the data. And and then I'm going to let somebody else worry about the servicing piece. Yeah. And but there's so you could have it becomes much more specialized. So now I don't have to have ADT who's building the hardware or reselling GE hardware or whatever they do, and then providing the service and all this other stuff and a big sales force. I just think of the model, just like for a lot of things that have that have gone the way of the dodo bird, these things feel like they need to go away yeah. or need to be or need to be reborn in different forms. Yeah, so that's a great suggestion. A company that that essentially runs a service permanently on the net that allows you to subscribe to and uh, and push events to and then keep the, I would even say, keep the encryption out of it. Like if I want to just make it be a general key value data store in the yep. net. And then if I want to encrypt something, I encrypt it. And then I throw it out on the thing. And now you know that this company running this service, which you could easily charge a couple of bucks for a month, I'm sure. Yeah, easily. On the other on the other side, they can't under they can't decrypt it because they right. don't have the keys. That's even better. Yeah, and then it pops out the other side. Let's say into my iPhone application, where of course I do have the keys because it's my house. Yep. 
And then I, I can, you know, look at, let's say, uh, whoever's ringing the front door right from my iPhone, no matter where I am in the world. I mean, yep. this is, I, I, it blows me away and it's blown me away for a bit with VoIP that people are so amazed that you can make this uh, telephone call, go from one side of the earth to the other and pay essentially no more money than you're paying today. Why is this amazing? We've been able to send packets around the world for years. Why would I have to pay ADT or some other security? system to send some video from my I have a perfectly capable internet connection right, I should just crazy. be able to do it yeah I agree it's completely insane it's, I think the only value they add and you could do this if you started this company you could figure out a way to hook into the whole 911 thing so you could provide that but I think there's almost you know that introduces liability and everybody gets scared away from it I think if you sure, just say look if, if we can push the data to you we will well it's mm -hmm. best efforts yeah, And if we can't get a, you know, if for whatever reason your network's down, the thief cuts power to your house or whatever they do, so the network's not up, and so you don't ever get the notification, well, we're sorry. Yeah. Well, um, well but, I, but here's the thing with that. Like, I'm pretty sure you could make it quite reliable. So you could. Yeah, I'm, you could have these add-in things where I put a GSM radio somewhere sure. or something like that. Sure. And then and then you just skip the internet if somebody decides to cut the power to the house, it it has yep. battery backup at GSM and you're done. Sure. But yep. here's the other thing. Like I don't care that you pay some guy to sit in a chair and call nine one one when my you know, when there's a false alarm at my house. Forget that. I'll do it. It's coming to my phone. I have my phone. I can call nine one one. I don't want to pay somebody a hundred bucks a month to sit in a chair. Yep. I mean, come on, give me a break. So you're right. It does seem like there's huge disruption that can happen there. And, and I would argue probably will. Yeah, uh, I think so. But so I think the challenge, here's the challenge I'll throw down, is that I think we should take on the, the project of building a home security system using, and let's say we have to do it for under, what's a reasonable amount? Under, under 500 bucks. Under 500 bucks, we have to have something that we can listen to, that it will listen to. Maybe it's got a glass break thing, so we've got a noise thing. A maybe we've got a, thing. a door thing and maybe a window thing. But you got to put a camera. And a, and a camera. Yeah. And we won't do the GSM radio, yeah. but we, do, we have to put this together for 500 bucks Done. or less. I love it. Let's do it. Okay. So that's our project. <laughs> We're gonna do it. So you're gonna have to. You're gonna follow along. We'll we'll put some uh, some blog posts up when as as we build this. I think this is great. Yep. Okay. Yep. You know what? Here's the thing. If I had a house right now, I would I would I would probably throw a lot more than five hundred bucks into it. Right. But we can start there, and then we can sure. on it and see what we can come up with, sure. and just see how far we can take it. Done. I love it. This is great. I'll, I'll live vicariously through your house. <laughs> that's right that's right i'll send you the alert so you can see what's going yeah, on great yeah <laughs> sounds good all right so thanks for listening to 353rd uh by the way we're we're just on uh stitcher now stitcher.com little uh app on on the phone that allows you to to uh listen live and listen uh listen on the go it's pretty cool uh you can check them out uh we will be here yet again in two weeks and we will uh talk to you then